Welcome to the Middle Class to Millionaires podcast, a no-nonsense show designed to help you punch fear in the face and create the life you've always dreamed of. Now, here are your hosts, Vince and Christian. Hey everyone, welcome back to Middle Class to Millionaires. I am your co-host Vince with my other co-host Christian. And uh, today we got a really exciting episode for you. Um, we're talking with Sean Forney, who um, we've actually never met. And how we met, uh, I think is funny. Um, I, for, for those of you who don't know, I'm a car guy. Christian's a car guy. Sean's a car guy. Uh, earlier this year, I had a 93 Mazda RX-7 with an LS3 that I traded to a, I'm going to be nice, a dude who uh, I shouldn't have traded it to, but I would have never met Sean. I traded him for a 67 Camaro, and it turned out to be a disaster on my end. And then this guy eventually uh, sold the car to Sean. Uh, And Sean, before he bought it, reached out to me, had some questions about the car. And then we just started chatting, and then I found out that uh, Sean owned not one storage facility, but three storage facilities. Uh, taking over your whole county. So that's what yeah. we're yeah. that's what we're here talking about today. So pretty cool that we met via cars. And it was funny, I don't think I told you this. Um that LS1 RX7 that you sold recently, right? Early yeah. beginning of this year. Mm-hmm. When I when I got rid of the LS3 RX7, I was actually looking at your LS1 RX7 because I wanted mine back. <laughs> and I think we had messaged about it on Marketplace. And for whatever reason, I didn't pursue it anymore. Um, but I actually, I went on your Facebook yesterday when we became Facebook friends and heard the video of that thing chopping. Oh, yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. Uh, monster. Yeah, that this one will sound like that when it's done. It'll be nice and choppy and, you know, get rid of the muffler that's on there. Make, let it breathe a little bit more and scream America. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because that I thought the car was already loud enough. I mean, when I when I started it in my one car garage here in our house, I mean, I'm surprised the neighbors didn't wake up. So uh, <laughs> that's gonna be a sick car. Yeah, for sure. So, anyway, I could talk about cars all day. I'm sure y'all t- y'all could too, but uh, that's not why we're here today. So um, if you don't mind, could you just tell us a little bit about who you are so the people listening can get a get a feel, and then we'll kind of get right into it. Yeah, so uh, I am a originally born in in Northern Virginia, and my family made the trek 90 miles west to a rural community called Berkeley Springs when I was about three. So I'm pretty much from here. I'm a West Virginian by nature, um, and I have always been that entrepreneurial uh, spirit. Even in school, I would. I learned how to play Magic the Gathering so I could sell the cards to my friends and turn a profit. And, you know, back then I bought important stuff to me, like a drum set and a four-wheeler. You know, that's what I needed whenever I was in uh, middle school. And I've all that, that you know, not, not being satisfied has always been there in my nature. So uh, I'm a commercial insurance agent by trade. That's where I'm sitting now in my office. That's my nine to five. But I'm a real estate investor, uh, consider myself a serial entrepreneur. I'm an inventor, gearhead, uh, dad first and foremost. We have a, we also have a farm, uh, so just a little bit of everything. I have ADHD pretty bad, so I can't focus on just one thing at a time. I have to diversify what I'm working on, and you know, I might go from being the owner of a self-storage business like today for example i was a county commissioner this morning in my in my insurance agency at by lunchtime working here and then i'll probably put on my uh self-storage owner owner hat at some point and you know take care of that business and so i i have to do different things in order to keep my mind happy so it doesn't wander off too frequently i love it that's cool i uh I feel like I'm kind of the same way. Christian knows I can't focus. He he's he's uh, he's good at focusing. Uh, you know, we're we're business partners with our Airbnbs and uh, some flips that we do. Eventually, we'll probably own a facility together or something. But he's the one that can focus. I'm not. I'm all over the place. Here lately, it's just been cars. You know, I've had my 
my RX-7 in the shop for months, trying to, and I'm trying to find another car that I can just drive for now. And so I'm probably a little too focused on that right now. And I'm trying, at the same time, I just bought our first storage facility. So uh, I'm just like you. I'm all over the place, but yeah. that's cool. So you have three daughters, right? Did you say that already? Yep, three daughters and a little boy on the way due in uh, December. So my, my daughters are uh, 12, 7, and 3. Nice. So we have a full Congratulations. house. Lots yeah. of things. Horses, turkeys, rabbits, goats, chickens, you name it. We have honeybees. We 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 keep we're a glutton for punishment. So we constantly add more and more to our plates and everybody locally is like, How do you even have time to sleep? And it's like I don't really. I mean, I I do all of my own stuff on our farm, you know, do all of our own fencing, build all of the small buildings. I leave the big buildings like our barn and stuff to the pros, but you know, do you know skid steer track? I'm a, I'm a I'm a appreciator of anything with wheels. So I have a 1954 Farmall Cub, 1951 John Deere. I actually put them to work on our farm making hay and stuff. So, uh, you know, I'm just a lover of all things with wheels. So, you give me a skid steer, I'll show you how to tear something up real quick. But I'll, at the end of the day, I'll still get it done. It just might not be as pretty as a professional, but I'm yeah. dangerous with it. That's awesome. So you, you said at the beginning, you know, you've always had an entrepreneurial spirit. How did you how did you find yourself in real estate investing? I know we talked briefly the other day uh, via text about um, kind of the beginning of your self-storage journey. And if you want to talk about that and then how did so how, how did that come about? How did you get into this space? So I uh, again, so the insurance business, I'm blessed with with i got into the insurance business at a very very young age typically the insurance business is a a gray-haired industry to be in and i i was fortunate enough to get in whenever i was uh, 20 years old and was hungry and motivated and uh you know i'm a commercial insurance agent so business to business guy and wound up i guess being somewhat successful at it and that has afforded me the opportunity to do other things and i was taking my daughter ironically enough to uh, little league practice and the guy that owned our biggest self-storage facility here was one of my old high school baseball coaches and believe it or not a gearhead so uh, i stopped by because we maintained a friendship after i got out of high school because i did play some college ball before i got hurt and i stopped by just to chat you know see what cars he had in his garage lately and and he said, uh, you know, me and my wife got a divorce. My kids don't want the self-storage facility. I'm struggling. And it wasn't an offer. I mean, he was literally just venting to me about the the struggle that he was in. And I looked at him and said, I'll buy it. And uh, <laughs> I, I had, you know, being a commercial insurance agent, I have to read a ton of information. And I remember reading at one point that the self-storage industry is one of the most uh, recession-proof real estate investments that you can make and it's been the fastest growing commercial real estate investment segment for 20 plus years uh going strong and i had no idea at the time i think i was 20 28 had no idea how i was going to get the money and you know it was a, a year-long negotiation between him his ex-wife and myself and you know essentially uh, being a good steward in our community and establishing a great relationship with a local community bank, uh, local community bank, where I had a you know strong business acumen, uh, and they they were fortunate enough to be able to, uh, or gracious enough rather, to give me the money to buy my first facility, and so I kind of stumbled stumbled onto it really just by dumb luck. I just so happened to be at the right place at the right time. And I always knew at some point I'd want to do something in commercial real estate. And once it became the self-storage industry, that's kind of what I consider my launch point, if you will. The self-storage facility has allowed me to do the other commercial real estate investments that I've done in the past. Um, I've been able to you know, quickly grow our self-storage facility, maximize revenue, uh, and essentially leverage that equity that I have in that to allow myself to do other real estate plays um, in different segments, commercial office building. Me and my wife bought a commercial, uh, or bought a movie theater, and, um, a historic movie theater. We renovated it, we brought it back to life. We sold a movie theater during, during the pandemic, which was, nearly impossible to do but we did it and we didn't lose money um and it was a blast it's a staple in our local community and 
has a big old beautiful marquee and um the star theater uh west virginia if anybody wants to look it up the star theater wv.com and i mean it's just you know it's got you know a marquee full of neon and it was just a fun project to do so i feel like i kind of found my niche in commercial real estate with cell storage and then upcycling if you will of buildings that uh you know need some love and i i mean i'm not opposed to doing ground up builds but you know my current office that i'm sitting in used to be a convenience store and it sat dark on our busiest corner in town and i was you know talking out loud with my mother and i said mom i don't know why nobody has bought that yet it is the best location in our whole entire county almost thirty thousand cars a day pass by there you know a smart business person should do it i mean the mortgage is only going to be this much per month and i said wait a second after i said that out loud i was like i could do that so i took it on and renovated it turned it into a beautiful uh, office space with you know upgraded facade with stone on the front and just brought it back to life and lit up a corner that had been dark for three years and uh so i feel like i kind of found my niche so that's uh something that i enjoy doing is upcycling old buildings if you will or you know in the self-storage industry for those that are aware is just a phenomenal business to be in it's not super difficult um being a young guy though as i'm sure you guys know you know it's hard if if you're not from a family of wealth it's hard to get money to to go out on a limb and believe in yourself enough to sign your dot same sign your name on the dotted line committing yourself to a two million dollar mortgage or whatever the case is mm-hmm. and you know your stomach turns but at the end of the day if you're you know comfortable with risk like i am myself you know you believe in yourself and you take the risk and jump at it jump at the opportunity that's awesome sean um and you got real creative there with the movie theater. I think the movie theater is really cool. I've, I've never uh, heard anyone uh, or known anyone to really uh, rehab a movie theater. So yeah, nobody yeah. wants to do it. It's not a smart investment, but it was a fun investment. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it. So, so when you uh, were getting financing from the bank, uh, uh, how did you get your down payment? And uh, did they need a business plan from you? I mean, it was first time borrower, and they're giving you up to you know, $2 million, uh, was it, was the relationship there key? What, what were your thoughts there? Yeah. So the relationship to me was the only thing that made this opportunity happen. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, we have a small town local bank and I was fortunate enough that they went through, you know, their old CEO was retiring and I met the new CEO very early on. He's been there for probably close to eight or nine years now and established kind of like a friendship with them. And so whenever I had this idea, I just, I sent, I sent Mark a text message said, Hey man, I got this great opportunity. Um, I have no idea how in the world it's possible, but I want to figure it out. I want to make it work somehow. I don't care if I have to sell my kidney, I want to do it. (laughs) So I sat down with Mark, explained it to him and he was, I was fortunate enough that one of his good friends is the owner of, uh, a very, very large self storage facility group with 30 plus locations in like six states. And he was intimately involved with that business and understood how profitable they can be. And whenever I took over my facility, you know, they everything was on index cards back, you know, the ginormous index cards that you, you know, you d- wrote your months down. It was cash only. So just huh. involving feels like my facility right. before I, mean, I took it over just utilizing technology. I mean, as a business person, if you're only accepting cash, they could pay their rent with a credit card. You want to give your tenants every opportunity and every way possible to pay their bill. I mean, I'll take a 3% fee rather than chasing around $200 for six months. So, uh, you know, there was an opportunity to significant, significantly capitalize on the current business. They hadn't done a rate increase forever. Um, so there was an opportunity to improve the business so you know i went to the bank with a business plan was like guys you know i can't come up with you know 10 percent down i can come up with five percent maybe um if we can get creative and since i was dealing with a small town local bank it was a deal that you know it was dealt with at the local level i was meeting with the decision makers it's not you know it's not like if you do i don't have anything against the big national banks but the relationship is so much different even if you 
yeah. you know, you have a, a relationship with a re- regional bank, that guy still has somebody to answer to. Like in our neck of the woods, every every answer with the big commercial deal comes out of, you know, like Charlotte, North Carolina or something like that. So you're not really face to face with the deal makers. And, you know, I was fortunate enough that I was able to pitch it to the CEO and their credit analyst and their, you know, business plan review team and sat down and crunched numbers with these guys. And we were able to get creative and make it work. So where I could come to the table with like 5%, they saw the ability to improve the overall economics of the business as a way to capitalize in the event of default. They're like, hey, guys, if, if he defaults on this, we own a self-storage facility that we will easily be able to unload. Uh, matter of fact, the guy that uh, our CEO was friends with pretty much told me, Sean, if you don't buy it, he's willing to write a check tomorrow for it. So they already had a buyer lined up if I failed, you know, but obviously failure is not an option. So you know, getting creative with the down payment and being able to talk to them just to give, you know, pretty much begging them, just give me this opportunity, um, you know, and a $2 million opportunity at that, you know, give it to me and I won't squander it. You know, I'll, I will utilize that to dump money back into the community. And, 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 and we've done that, you know, my family has done that. And it's just, we're so thankful that that bank believed in us enough to give us that opportunity. That's amazing. I, I love that uh, uh, pretty much your whole deal was about a relationship. I mean, uh, I've never heard of anyone bringing five, only 5% down to purchase a commercial property. Now, right. Christian's, Christian's facility that he bought, he got an owner finance. The owner didn't make him bring anything down. So that's kind of an anomaly. But it, right. for dealing with a bank, specifically 5%, I mean, the facility that we bought, um, it's the bank is actually literally around the corner from ours. So kind of same thing. Like, uh, they didn't know me from Adam, but they, uh, they looked at our, you know, personal, personal financial statements and things like that in our history. And the, they knew that the facility was right around the corner. So things like that. I didn't have a relationship with them. Um, but we're developing one, but another bank that Christian and I both, uh, bank at in North Texas, we have a relationship with them. So whenever we buy houses to flip, it's it's pretty easy now. We just say, hey, we're buying this. Can you close in three weeks? And they're like, yep. And then they close it, you know. Um, so that's cool. I mean, I, you know, one of the things that Christian and I talk all about all the time is, you know, there's really no excuse to not succeed in 2021. I mean, right. I'm sure you bought that, that years ago. And, it, and the, the same logic applies. But if you want something bad enough and you're willing to do what it takes, then you're going to make it happen. And excuses are just they're pointless, you know. Amen. I can't I can't stress the importance of that enough. And it's the same thing in my insurance business. I have people that come to me and they ask me, like, how do you do what you do? And I'm like, well, the insurance business originally afforded me that opportunity to to put myself in a position financially to be able to achieve those goals. But being complacent, being content um, take a no for an answer. None of those things are in my vocabulary. You just, you keep on pushing on, you know, failure is not an option. And, you know, if, if that bank would have said no, I would have went to the next one, you know, and you just, you, you eventually find somebody that will believe in you enough to afford you the opportunity to do things or, or like in Christian scenario, if you have a if you have an owner willing to owner finance that you can establish a relationship and they believe in their own business enough to, to, to owner finance it, you know, that that's, you know, that's a, a, a statement within itself that the owner is obviously comfortable enough with his business that, you know, he will allow you to make payments with from the business. I mean, the, the fact is there's opportunities out there. I don't care what business you're in. You can be in the insurance business, the real estate business, you can be selling shoes. There's an opportunity. And if you, if you haven't been successful, you're just not asking the right person or you haven't knocked mm-hmm. on enough doors or you haven't made enough phone calls and, you know, I've, I've built my whole life around that, you know, positivity, positive attitude, don't take no for an answer and, you know, keep on fighting your way through. Because, you know, as I told you, whenever you told me the name of your podcast, uh, I was like, you know, I was below middle class. I was sleeping in my car when my wife met me at a, at a you know, at a uh, at a park and ride, uh, you know, hopping from friend's house to friend's house, sleeping on couches. You know, I just got hurt from playing baseball because I had those big dreams of being a major league baseball player. Then after I had shoulder surgery and knee surgery, I was like, well, that's not going to happen. I better get my life together. And, 
you know, I was fortunate enough to always have that positive mentality and positive attitude that no matter what my circumstances were, it could always be worse. You know, I could be sleeping on the street. At least I had a car to sleep in. Right. So, hmm. you know, then fortunately, I met my wife that really kind of whipped me into shape, if you will. And then we had our first daughter and and things changed where I was like, OK, well, now I don't only have my mouth to feed. I have a wife. I have a child. Uh, it's time to start thinking differently on how I can prove our financial situation. And, you know, I'm to the point now where, you know, if it if it makes economic sense, you know, like you mentioned an Airbnb, I, I just made an offer like a couple of weeks ago on my favorite building in our whole community. And I couldn't make a cash offer. And I made an offer and two days later, somebody made a cash offer, no contingencies and swept it out from under me. But it was going to be an Airbnb because I, I told my real estate agent who I'm great friends with now. And, you know, he's got tons of deals for me. So, of course, he's my friend, but he's a friend outside of that, a genuine friend. But I was like, listen, man, if it makes sense financially and economically, if I can make the numbers make sense, there's no reason not to do something. Um, you know, the housing market's strong right now. And, you know, we live in a tourist town. So Airbnbs are extremely profitable if you get your hands on them. There's like hundreds and hundreds of Airbnbs in Berkeley Springs, West Virginia. So, you know, there's opportunities out there. It's just you just got to shake that tree and hopefully something falls for you. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to look, you know, like um, I know Christian talks about this a lot, but like uh, and well, we both talk about it, you know, like if you're uh and kind of what you were saying if, if you're if you're in this mentality that you feel like someone owes you something and uh nothing's out there i, I don't have the time christian loves talking about this <laughs> when he when people make the excuse well i don't have time to do blah 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 he he just rolls his eyes he's like you got to make time you know like opportunity is out there everywhere and if you're willing to put in just even little even small small amounts of effort per day and if you're stacking those things eventually gets you to the place that, that you want to be, you know, and, um, it's, in my opinion, it's how bad do you want it? You know, yeah. like I, I, I left a full-time job with a pregnant wife to pursue real estate because I knew that I did not want to have to leave my house at seven 30 in the morning and come home at six o'clock and only get to see my daughter for maybe two hours a day. I right. knew that, that that wasn't the life that I, that I was about. So I took, a, I feel like a humongous risk uh, and I looked for opportunity and I found it. Um, you don't, you don't know about this cause we, we, you know, we haven't really talked, uh, but everyone on the show has heard it a gazillion times. My first deal, I basically lost like uh, 60 or 70 grand, whatever the number was, you know, and I could have given up, but you know, we kept going and that's, that's important for, um, for people to realize like, like you, you took a big risk, you know, you, you don't have any, any experience in self-storage. No, so you're like, Hey, I think this makes sense. I can do it. Let me try it. And now look at you. I mean, I don't know if you're comfortable sharing um, the the numbers that you told me about either one of your facilities or all all your facilities, what they're worth. But um, you're doing all right, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know I'm comfortable sharing that. So whenever I purchased my facilities, I think with the cap rate, you know, the appraisal was like 2.8. And, you know, now flash forward, I bought my first facility in 2016. Uh, we had oh i can't even remember now but uh right now we have 419 units total so you flash forward you know five years and i've you know uh, being an elected official i'm very cognizant of how i treat my constituents my neighbors and my community so i've only you know most storage unit facilities do a rate increase every year um i've only done uh, i did one in the first five years and i just did my second one finally because my accountant told me i was nuts if i didn't do one because we've been full like the whole entire time i've owned them so you know flash forward now went from 2.8 million to roughly 4.5 4.6 million in value now so you know we were able to create significant buying power or leverage if you will or paper equity or whatever you want to call it that you know now the stealth storage facility that i have it can enable me to do additional things like, you know, we were able to, you know, do reorganize some some debt and buy the theater. We paid cash for it. Um, you know, my wife and I decided we wanted to buy a cabin that was in my family and my grandparents sold it in 2002. We bought it back last year, paid cash for it. Um, so, you know, so if you if you're able to create that, you know, like wealth, like I was fortunate enough to do just with that one facility, it's amazing then that 
uh, although I, I still stick with the same two banks that I have relationships with, how many other banks come knocking on your door? They weren't willing to give me the opportunity at first, but now that I've proven myself and been successful, they want the money now or they want the relationship now. Um, so, but it, it's, it's done, it's done amazing things. I mean, the insurance agency, uh, we're, we're debt free. You know, we, we build the insurance business with, with zero debt, zero loans, you know, cash only business. We hire employees as we need them. And my group, my goal with the insurance agency is eventually get to like, you know, 40 employees or so, um, and be a super regional, but you know, my real estate investing outside of it. And as you know, even though you, you know, you're relatively new to the self storage industry, you will get calls and you will get letters in the mail of people that want to buy your facility. I get them almost monthly. And, you know, last year was the first time I actually considered it. Then after I met with my accountant and my financial planner, they're like, you would be stupid to sell your self storage <laughs> facility. Not only does it, you know, create a lot of net worth paper money, but it also generates a good monthly or a good, you know, monthly return. If I take a monthly distribution or the annual, uh, cash distribution that I'm able to take from the self storage business is just is phenomenal. I mean, it's a, afforded me the opportunity to, you know, do the insurance business as cash only, you know, so the self storage business is kind of like my piggy bank, if you will, to allow me to do other things. So I'm not just content with just that money. I can utilize that yeah. money to do other things. And, you know, although I'm not a big fan of TikTok, you know, there was a guy on there on this video that I watched and he was riding in like a $300,000 car and he was talking about, you know, you don't buy, you don't buy liabilities, you buy assets to pay liabilities. And I'm from that school of thought, like I won't buy that RX-7 unless I have something else to pay for it. Um, you know, so not strapping yourself down and living beyond your means, but, you know, getting to a place where you feel comfortable enough that, okay, well, I can buy this investment if I want to buy this, you know, me, I relate everything back to cars. You know, if I, if I want to buy this yep. Porsche, you know, I can buy this Porsche, but in order to do that, I have to generate the $1,200 a month that the payment is after my down payment or whatever the case is. So, you know, my wife gets on me, she, her life revolves around animals and mine is cars. So, uh, in business, of course. Yeah. What was that Porsche that you just sold? Uh, Porsche GT4. Christian might shed a tear over that one. Yeah. So yeah, that was, uh, you know, I came from an M3 and I was like, I want to see what all the fuss is about with these Porsches. And, you know, I got it at the right time. I was able to sell it for like 15,000 more than I paid for it because the car market right now is absolutely bonkers crazy. So, you know, but it was a blast. It was everything that I dreamed it would be. Like, there's a reason why people buy a Porsche GT car or any Porsche for that matter. I mean, they, they buy them because it's the best driving car I've ever driven. I mean, it's completely different than the RX-7s with an LS swap. They're raw, in-your-face power. You know, the Porsches are just refined. You know, you shift a gear, it, like, clicks into gear just perfectly. You know, it's just everything about it was perfect. No complaints whatsoever. Yeah, I'm looking at, I, I'd like a GT3 um, later on. Uh, and also a classic 964 in the uh, collection at some point, so. Yeah, you got you got good taste. I mean, the guy that bought my GT4... Um, he also owned a GT3 and, you know, if you watch, you know, videos on YouTube, I do have a YouTube channel, but, uh, uh, Doug DeMuro, I watch all of his car reviews whenever I go to order a new car and I sold my Raptor, I got a TRX and, you know, I watched his GT4 review and he was like, it's the best sports car I've ever driven. So I was like, okay, well, I, if he says it, he's pretty reliable. So I got to try it. And he wasn't wrong. I mean, but yeah. I wanted a GT3, but I couldn't quite convince the wife to let me drop like 180 grand on a car yet. And I'm not quite there. <laughs> Maybe in a few years. Well, I mean, it's just like you were saying, you just got to, how are you going to pay for it? I mean, I liked what you were saying. Christian, I didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, I just had this thought. Uh, uh, Robert Kiyosaki talks about it in uh, Unfair Advantage. Him and his wife have this thing that if they want to buy a, quote, you know, liability, it's not how are we going to pay for it? What am I going to buy to pay for it? So he Amen. talks about uh, in one of the first chapters or one of the first couple chapters, he was wanting uh, some sports car. I can't remember what it was. I don't I don't even remember when this book was written. So let's just assume it was recently. You know, if he wanted a, a Porsche GT3 and it's twelve hundred dollars a month. Well, what can he buy that can pay for that? You know, and not saying that we all need to go out and just buy a bunch of assets to pay for a bunch of material sure. things. Right. But the mindset is there that. You know, 
I guess the question is, you know, how can I afford it? You know, how can I make those things happen? And if it's if it's buying assets to pay for your liabilities, I I think that's phenomenal because the assets, you know, you're uh, paying down, paying them down, they appreciate or in commercial, they're, you know, forced appreciation by, you know, rents and all that, raising rents and whatnot. And then you get just a little bonus of having a toy at the same yeah. time. And and sometimes like it, you know, and I, yeah, I'll add on to that, you know, cause I don't, you know, I just like cars. So most of the time, if I buy an asset, it's, you know, uh, an appreciating asset, or if it's like that Airbnb, I made an offer on, I looked at it and I was like, okay, the mortgage payment's going to be $1,500 a month. I can generate $3,500 a month in revenue after taxes and insurance and maybe a sinking fund or whatever those appraisers like to call it, you know, money to put back in the kitty. I was like, okay, I, maybe I clear $1,800 a month. I don't have that money spent. I just let it sit in the bank account, you know, and that that asset is constantly that maybe I have an opportunity after a few years that I can pay off the note or whatever the case is. And, you know, you, you leverage that asset to, to buy another one. You know, that's I have a lot of guys in real estate that that's what they're constantly doing, especially if they're flipping houses. They buy a, a a depressed asset. You know, they have a budget of 50k per location that they buy. They pop pop you know plow 50 grand into it, and next thing you know, this property went from being worth 100 grand to 250k. So they've netted 100 grand on their asset. They keep it on the books and rent it and do the same thing. Just it's a cycle. So you know, there's so you know, it, it comes back to the the opportunities. I mean, there's so many different ways that you can be successful, not just in real estate, but just in life in general. And mm-hmm. and the opportunities are out there and, and there's people, I mean, there's, I feel like in my generation or our generation, I don't know how old you guys are, I'm 35, but there's a lot of- 28. Okay. So there, there's a lot of that, like, what's in it for me immediately? You know, there's that mentality, like you said earlier, that somebody owes you something. Nobody owes you a thing. Like, mm-hmm. nobody's going to hold your hand unless maybe you were fortunate enough to come from, come from money and you're able to capitalize on that instead of just blow it away. Um, but nobody owes you anything. There's nobody that's going to hold your hand to help you be successful. I mean, you literally got to put your nose to the grindstone, find a good mentor that you can trust, and just grind it and you're going to fail a bunch you're going to stumble and fall on your face more times than you can count but at the end of the day you just hope your mistakes are ones like you you know you lost 60 or seven thousand seventy thousand dollars you didn't get discouraged you know you just kept on pushing on because at the end of the day you knew what was right and you know it worked out yeah and it's only it's only failure if you don't learn from it i think you said that a couple episodes ago christian i feel like it was you it's only failure failure if you don't learn from it you right. know, if you if you if you do something, you're like, oh, that sucks. And if I, you know, if I failed and I'm like, well, I'll go back to my nine to five. Well, then it's failure because I didn't learn anything from it. But I took those lessons. Thankfully, I got it out of the way at the very beginning. That's how I look at it now, which I think is so crazy because I don't think 10, 15 years ago I would have thought that. But I have this mindset now that I'm like, well, I'm glad I got that out of the way. You know, I lost my 70,000 at the beginning. Now I'm doing great. You know, like most people. I don't think we think that way. And it's um, a lot of it has come from the books I've read and the the people I've surrounded myself with, you know, um, Christian, and I have talked about this at, at uh, pretty much every episode, but I think one of the first books I read that just changed my life as far as like the, in the business side was rich dad, poor dad, you know, that, that just completely shifted my mindset on everything that I do now. And I read multiple books and I, I like, um, this is funny. Cause he's, I mean, I guess he's a business guy. I try to take a lot of life lessons from Chip Gaines. You know, he has a book called um, No Pain, No Gains was the recent one, but his first one was called Capital Gains. And if, if most everyone knows who Chip is, you know, he's this he's this outgoing guy who just has a very positive outlook on life. I'm I'm not that way. I'm kind of I call myself a realist, but sometimes I can be uh, I can tend to see some of the negative things in things sometimes. And I try to be more like Chip and I. If you have this mentality that, that Chip has where he's just he's just kind of super positive. He, he wrote in his first book, um, Capital Gains, uh, him and his wife at the first shop had hired these two guys um, who they had trusted. They And in the, the, one of the first nights they left them there to close down the register and stuff, they went home. He came back the next morning and saw the cash register open and, and the guys weren't there and no cash was in there. And instead of having having the mindset like, man, we got screwed and this sucks, he was like, man, I guess they just needed it more than we did. Right. And I was just like, man, 
And so when I had the thing happen to me or me and my wife at the beginning, when we kind of got screwed over by someone, when I read that in Chip's book a couple of years ago, I was like, well, even though I know this person very personally, I was like, maybe they just needed it more than I did, you know? Yeah. And I just had to, I had to move on and forgive that person. So I know I went on a tangent. So sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's okay. No, I, I, you know, there is value, you know, in what you said, cause I, I'm, I say the same thing to my wife, like when we owned the movie theater, we were operating the movie theater as a family. So us and our, you know, three kids and we had a, you know, a one year old at the time and I would just leave the money in the cash register. She's like, what if somebody steals it? I was like, well, they need it more than us. And, you know, we'll overcome it. You know, it's not going to crush our business. And the same thing with COVID, um, you know, like my insurance agency grew like 40% year over year during COVID. And, you know, I was at a, like a convention. They're like, how did you grow during COVID? We lost money. I'm like, well, because everybody used COVID as an excuse. Like they were like, <laughs> oh, we didn't grow because of COVID or we lost money because of COVID. I look at it as an opportunity. I was like, you know what? This is it's like it's it's a once in our lifetime event, they tell us. And, you know, I'm, we, we weren't going to shut our doors because of it. we figured out how to work from home and all that other good stuff. And And my staff crushed it. You know, I crushed it. You know, we just kept on keeping on because everybody still had to operate they just had to think of a different way to do it so you know when most people were shrinking i was focused on growing i mean that's you know that's uh all that stuff is just you know growth so important just keep on growing stay positive and i mean I, i've been through so many crappy times in my life where i could have easily just given up and you know wake up on my buddy's couch i i remember one, one of my friends his mom let me sleep in his house. He had bunk beds, which was great because we were like 20 year olds living on bunk beds at the time. And and his mom let me stay there until like finally I wore out my welcome after like five months. And she's like, are you going to like find your own place to live? I was like, I like it here. You know, it's a great place to live. And she's like, nah, you know, it's time. Uh, you know, I've, I've been in some crappy spots, but at the end of the day, you know, just you know, grinding and constantly grinding just hour after hour and you know, thinking, you know, you might work 80 hours one week, you might work 50 the next, but no matter what, you're always thinking. And it drives my wife crazy because my mind just never stops. You know, even whenever I'm dreaming, I'm dreaming of some other opportunity that I can do. And I wake up and I tell it to my wife and she's like, do you ever like stop thinking? No, that's just how my mind works. It's like, what's next? You know, what else can yeah. we do to set my kids up for, you know, I don't want my kids to have to struggle like I did growing up. Um, or worry about paying for college themselves. You know, I want to do the traditional, you know, go back to American roots and I want to pay for my kids' education. I want to pay for my daughter's wedding. Um, you know, you know, that's 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 just what I want to do. And I just want to make sure that I'm able to afford them that opportunity to not start off in life in debt. You know, that's not fair to what we do to kids nowadays. And while I'm not free for giving wow. everybody free education. Uh, everybody should have to pay for it. I just wish parents would pay for it more. <laughs> yeah, that that's for one of the first things you talked about as a entrepreneur, you know, uh, staying up at night and having all these ideas uh, swarming your mind. I think it's a uh, I know a lot of entrepreneur entrepreneurs that do this, you know, I, I there's ideas that come up in my mind or uh, how to make the business better. Like it, it's always just like it, it, it's almost like it doesn't stop it, it you know you're always thinking about your passion and your passion is business uh it's always on your mind and i think that's uh one of the things you you start to kind of develop or or as an entrepreneur that it starts being that way for you and uh it it's uh i think it's a good thing you know you have to be um you know passionate about what you're doing and it it keeps you whenever the motivation is low that's one of the things that helps you know, push forward, uh, along with the discipline too. So, uh, and then too, you know, uh, setting up your, your kids, I think that's, we always talk about generational wealth and, um, yeah. you know, I, I, I didn't, you know, I had, I had some help going to, for my college when I went through, through college and then that, the rest of what I used was for military. Um, but you know, I didn't have like my entire college paid for, uh, from parents or, you know, but they, they did their best to get me where they were at. Um, but this day and age, I mean, uh, kids are taking out hundred K, uh, in, in loans and, uh, just, just for, just to hope that they get a job that they can, uh, make it by, you know, right. Yeah. To pay it back. Yeah. It, yeah. They're 
crazy. They're in debt forever, you know, at the beginning. And yeah, just, you know, uh, Vince, Vincent said it earlier, whenever, you know, surrounding yourself with, with good people, that's, I preach that to so many kids whenever they come to me for like mentorship. I'm like, listen, man, if you want to be successful, one of the most difficult things you'll ever do is cut away the cancerous people in your life that are sucking the life out of you or they're negative Nancy's or Debbie Downers, whatever you want to call them, or they have doubt, you know, get, it's the hardest thing you'll ever do, but cut them. I don't care. You can still, they can still be an acquaintance and you can still talk if you see them in the grocery store, but you do not want to surround yourself with somebody that's going to suck the life out of you. You want to surround yourself with like-minded people that believe in your ultimate goal. And although it may be crazy, like when I went to my wife and told her, I was like, Hey, we're going to borrow millions of dollars to buy a business that we don't understand. And I don't think it's going to be hard, but it's a new business and we got to convince a bank, you know, but luckily my wife, she was to the point where she knows I just have all these crazy ideas. So she's like, okay, you can run with it. And if it works out great, you know, but luckily I have that support system there, my wife to actually believe in me and, you know, good friends around me. So if I had a question, I could go to my accountant or if I had a question about my my contract for my tenants, I could call an attorney that I wound up being, you know, becoming friends with. Um, you know, those are all good people to have in your circle that you can trust. But the biggest thing I tell everybody early on is, guys, like get rid of the people that are sucking the life out of you. You know, you want to surround yourself with people that are going to prop you up and help you succeed. And if you do fall down, they're going to be right behind you, picking you up, telling you, you know what? You know, it happens. Crap happens you got to keep on keeping on like joe dirt would say you know that's you know that you got to keep on keeping on life's a garden um you know that's uh you know sometimes i feel like uh alan on the hangover whenever he walks in there and they're you know trying to count cards and he's got the numbers and stuff spinning around him i mean sometimes i feel like that my wife looks at me like that you know because i'm like okay she's she's like you got an idea i'm like yeah you're probably not going to like it but you know that's just <laughs> just how it is you know it's just these ideas come to me when i'm sleeping and i wake up and i text it to myself so i don't forget it because i'm like hey that was a good idea but i'm gonna yeah, forget that adhd it kicks in and if i don't write it down or text it to myself it's gone you know yeah same i think too one of the um the keys there is is you have a significant other that that kind of supports you with this i think i i've talking to talked to people before that one of the uh, uh spouses is is uh interested in and you know kind of going the entrepreneur route and one is not so much and sometimes like it works out where the one or the other uh, is fine and they let them kind of go on the on their own and then there's the other cases where the significant other kind of um uh whether it's like doubt or uh just is not super supportive on on that uh wanting to go big like that you know getting two million dollar mortgages and stuff like that and i mean i mean you know my wife is She's always uh, super open to the crazy stuff that uh, I get myself into and, and all the opportunities that I, I, I tackle. And uh, it's been um, a blessing that I have someone that's like that because there's a lot of people that have a significant other that that would never be the case. And it almost kind of stops them. Uh, they're like, well, I, you know, I guess I can just do something else or I can stick to my nine to five or whatever the case may be. Yeah, they like their comfort zone. Now, I will say my wife is the most grounded one at it like my 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 head is in the clouds and hers is here on earth and so my oh, wife does man. my wife does bring me back to planet earth and you know we'll elaborate the idea like when we bought the movie theater she was like do you realize how much time is it? now it's only open on the weekends but i'm like hey we don't do anything on the weekends anyway we spend it all with the kids you know which is the most fun thing you can do as a parent um i was like hey we can do this together and she's like well i don't think you're gonna like it well she wasn't wrong you know i did <laughs> I did enjoy the movie theater, but I enjoyed renovating it more than I did operating it. So that's one of the reasons why we decided to unload it so we could, you know, we served our purpose. We left our mark on it. Um, we brought it back to life. And But she was right in the end, but she is the more grounded one that'll say, hey, do you really know, like, think about it? You know, so she, you know, but she, no matter what, she, at the end of the day, she's like, if you really want to do it, you know, more power to you, you can do it. Then I also just tell her like, Hey, you can get another horse and she's on board. So we, you know, kind of, <laughs> kind of works out. <laughs> well, that's, that's awesome. Funny. Well, um, uh, coming to the end of our show here, what, what is some of the best advice that, um, that you can give someone that's interested in kind of going the entrepreneur?
entrepreneur route or, or you know, buying a business or uh, purchasing an asset, um, what's something that you would tell them? Don't doubt yourself. Don't do it. You know, don't, no matter what, you know, you have to believe in yourself and believe in your ultimate goal. And if you have failures like I've had, and I'm sure you guys had, you learn from your mistakes. Um, and and like one of you guys said, it's not a failure if you learn something from it. You look at it as an opportunity. Um, you know, you yeah. turn your failures into opportunities. And yeah, you might have lost some money, but what was the what was what was the end result of that? Um, so no matter what, believe in yourself because you know I had my one of my teachers in school told me I was going to wind up growing up and being a nobody, and uh, <laughs> I wasn't necessarily the best student. Um, I'm finally now finishing my bachelor's degree just for personal satisfaction because I want to do it. And for wall art. Yeah, pretty much, essentially. Yeah, because everybody asks, like, why are you doing that? You know, it's a time suck. And, you know, I'm pretty much a full-time college student on top of all this other stuff that I do. But I'm trying to do it with as little effort as possible. And, uh, but, you know, it's just, you know, believing in yourself no matter what, the, the scenario is like I've been in some crappy situations where, you know, self-doubt would be super, super easy to take over. And it's easy to go down that path of negativity and, you know, believe in it because you, you, you put these thoughts in your own head. Then if you put that doubt in your own head, then you start to second guess it. And as soon as you start to second guess it, you've lost it. Like the opportunity is not a true opportunity anymore. So, you know, I, I lean on, putting my cash flows together. And if it makes sense, there's no doubt whatsoever. I'm steadfast on my ultimate goal and what the end mission is. And then if I would have to add a second thing to that, it would be, again, surround yourself with good people, like-minded people, people that you can rely on if you have a question. You know, like Vincent, I sent you a text. It was like, hey, if you ever have any questions, you know, feel free. I mean, my goodness, one of my friends wanted to open up a self storage facility in, in our community. And although he'd be a competitor, he reached out to me and said, Hey, can I, can you help me? I was like, you're darn right. I can, you know, there's enough business out there for everybody. And the fact mm -hmm. that he saw it as an opportunity. And I told him many times, like, Hey man, I'm full. Like you build it. I'll send people to you. Like I'll fill your business for you. Um, you know, or look at it as an opportunity. He wanted to build it. He didn't want to manage it. So I could charge him a management fee. So it's the best of both worlds. You know, I have a competitor, but I'm managing it. So, you know, surround yourself with good people that you can rely on to to bounce crazy ideas off of. And, you know, if you need somebody to keep you grounded, you know, sometimes your accountant or somebody is a good person that'll tell you, hey, you're off your rocker today. You know, this just isn't going to financially work out. And if he tells me that we put the cash flow together, and it doesn't work. Well, then it's fine. Um, but at the end of the day, surround yourself with good like minded people that can help guide you and be stewards or mentors in your future growth is has been instrumental in my I, I still don't call myself successful like I still have a lot to learn I still have a lot more I wanted to accomplish but in my in my trek to success I'll call it you know it, it's instrumental so far to me having those good yeah. people I love that I, I want to end with just a couple of thoughts I know we got to go uh where you're saying surround yourself with with good people you know Christian I know this doesn't have anything to do with real estate but when I get crazy about cars and I, I shoot him a text, I'm like, hey, I want to buy this car. He kind of brings me down to earth and he's like, do you really want another project? Do you really want to whatever? And he helps me not waste, you know, $30,000, $40,000 on a car. Right. Also in business too, he, he's, he's kind of one of those people that keeps me uh, focused and on the right track because I'm like you. I'm very ADHD. I'm always on to the next thing. Uh, I'm never in the present. Um and I, there, you know, we've all heard this quote, you, if you want to be a millionaire, surround yourself with, you know, four and you'll become the fifth or whatever it is. I think right. that's applicable here. Um, if you want to be a good father, you know, surround yourself with other men who are good fathers. If you want to be a good husband, surround yourself with men who are good husbands. Or, you know, if, if a lady's listening to this, you want to be a good wife, you know, you know, the whole point. Um, and then the last thing I want to say to close it, you know, you talked a lot about um, when Christian asked you the question, you talked about your mindset. For those who, who may just be tuning in to, to our uh, podcast, if you listen to the first two episodes we have on mindset, I mean, we talk about mindset pretty much every episode, but those two are strictly dedicated to mindset. And I think that is, and I'm not tooting our own horn, but I think that's a very good foundation to get your mind in the right um, area where you need it to be to kind of build on all these things that we've been talking about. 
for the, the past hour. Yeah, so, that, um, real quick. And that's one of the things I always tell people uh, when they're asking you know, questions on how do I get into business or real estate, whatever. Uh, it's the number one step is to fix your mindset. Number two is learn the technical um, knowledge of whatever it may be. And then number three is take action. Uh, and, and those are the exact same things I did. I'm nowhere. I'm nobody special. I'm not super talented or gifted. I followed those exact steps. I changed my mindset. Uh, I learned everything I could about whatever it is that I was interested in. And then I just went and did it, even if I didn't have all my ducks in the row. And and it turned out to be, uh, you know, it's worked that it's really it's really that simple. You know, I, co I couldn't agree more. I mean, because I I think I saw something you posted, Vincent, about your GPA and in high yeah. school. You know, I wasn't a super talented student, but I had that mindset like I wanted more. I wasn't going to be content. And having that, you know, you know, you mentioned a, a book. One of my favorite books is Good to Great. And, you know, surrounding right. yourself with great people and getting the bad people off the bus, getting good people on the bus that know the ultimate goal. And all of my staff knows that I don't care if they're a staff of my self storage business or my insurance agency they all know my mindset and where I see it. And, and, and I treat them with the utmost, you know, I always tell all of them, they say, you're my boss. I'm not your boss. We work together. You, know, you don't work for me. You work with me, you know, be a leader, uh, be a leader, not a follower, you know, just, you know, um, you know, I love, uh, you know, Simon Sinek's why, you know, why do you do what you do? Get in that mindset of, you know, yeah. why you do, uh, you know, Christian, with what you said, you know, you get the technical experience, you might not have all your ducks in your row, but if you understand why you do it mentally, you know, that's a big part of overcoming any obstacles is believing in what you're doing. And, you know, the psychology behind being an entrepreneur or being in sales or being in real estate is all the same. It all starts with a positive mindset. And, you know, that I can't, you guys, you brought up a good point with the mindset. Like I can't, can't stress how important it is to clear those bad thoughts. I mean, from your head, that mindset is oh so strong. Yeah, that's what'll make or break you. So, yep. hey, Sean, we uh, we so much appreciate your time and your wisdom, and uh, thank you for sharing your story with us and coming on the show. I know we haven't met in person, and we only started texting because we both have owned, and now you own the the car that I used to own, and it's uh, a cool connection. And just thank you for being on the show. We really appreciate it. Yeah, likewise. Thank you guys for having me. Y'all have a good day. See you too. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Thanks, y'all. This episode of the Middle Class to Millionaires podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more tips and strategies on entrepreneurship, life, and business to help you create the life you've always dreamed of. Don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content on planet Earth.